Um, but I, I want to start with something else because I was, as I was reading through Galatians over the last couple of weeks, so as you know, those of you who have been here and, or those of you who haven't, we're going through this series, Live Free, going through Galatians for about the last month or so, and we have two more weeks, two more chapters in Galatians. And right now we're in Galatians 4. And as I was starting to read Galatians 4 over the last couple of weeks, this <clears throat> story-ish, this picture, this, this, this situation popped into my head so strongly that I think this is what we need to sort of hang it all on this morning and pop it up here. I, I, I have a friend in, I think he's living in America now, um, but I, I met him in Dubai. He was one of our key youth worker, youth work partners uh, in one of the churches in Dubai. Amazing, talented, young youth worker. But, uh, and he became a really good friend of mine over a few years, but also one of those guys that is like disarmingly honest about his struggles and his challenges and his temptations and his weaknesses. You know, one of those guys that it disarming because you're like, oh, you're talking about that in front of me, in front of people, or, or really encouragingly disarmingly because, oh, you struggle with that too? Ah, you know, I'm not, it was just an amazing guy and so brutally honest. And he lived in an apartment in Dubai, and it was just a, like a studio. So it was uh, like kitchen, bathroom, bedroom, no, sorry, kitchen, you know, the one room, one bathroom, and one bedroom. So, and he had lots of people over. And if you went to his apartment, you probably used his bathroom during that time. And on his bathroom mirror, he had this written in black magic marker. It's a lie, dot, 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 Jesus is better. So every morning when he got up in the morning and was knowing he's going to face whatever challenges, struggles, temptations, whatever it is, all those things that a young guy, an ogre, what, we all, he had this was the thing glaring in his face. It's a lie. Jesus is better. And when he's going to bed at night or when he's coming home from a day's work or a day's whatever, a day's ups, a day's downs, when he goes to brush his teeth, wash his face, whatever, right in his face, it's a lie. Jesus is better. And I suppose when you see that statement, I suppose my question for us this morning is, what is the dot, dot, dot? And again, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands or shout it out. What is the dot, dot, dot that you would fill in there? The thing you struggle with the thing you're tempted by, the thing you're easily derailed by or distracted by. It's a lie. Jesus is better. And I love that because I, I think if you, we're going to sort of tease this out a bit, but if, if you could sum up Galatians in six words... I think that's a pretty good way to sum it up. What's that other thing you're chasing after you know it's going nowhere? What's that other thing you're trying to earn by your own ways, means? What's the distraction? What's the temptation? What's that? It, it's a lie. Jesus is better. And so I want, I want to dip into like, two verses of Galatians this morning, but to do this, and, and I know we've done this for a few weeks, but I just want, we, I think we need to go back into, these two verses depend on the context of Galatians. So the Galatian context is that there's this whole area in Turkey, Doug and Gwen, you guys have probably been there, um, 
that's now called Galatia, and it was this area back in Jesus' day, like the whole world, that was this pagan, idol-worshipping, immoral, sexual, sensual, debauchery, life-normal, craziness area. And then Paul arrived one day. And Paul arrived and, and challenged the Apostle Paul, not this Paul, and challenged them with this whole new perspectives in life. And, and you know, Paul went into the marketplace or he went to the synagogues or he went to the areas where people gathered and he basically said to them, see guys, the idols you're worshiping or the things you're chasing or the things you're trying to find satisfaction, hope, life, power with, they're lies. They're nothing they're, they're useless. They're actually destructive. This is the message Paul came in. And this is why Paul got thrown out of synagogues and marketplaces and cities. He came right into the middle and said this. And he said that Jesus is everything. Your gods are nothing. There's one God and his son's name is Jesus. And he's everything. You're looking for forgiveness, and forgiveness is only found in Jesus. You're looking for hope or satisfaction, and that's only found in Jesus. You're looking for life. You're looking for purpose. We're heading to actually next week. Ali's going to talk about it, Galatians 5, which talks about the life in this. The fruit of the Spirit, love and joy and peace. And I won't steal that from Ali. It is only found in Jesus, in the life and death and resurrection. This crazy story that Paul came into town with and interrupted their ways. And yet, incredibly, people all over Galatia in different cities and towns believed this message. And, and they received Paul and his message. Like it's, It actually says later, we're not going to read it all, but it says later in chapter 4, they received him as if he was an angel from God. It actually says, you received me as if I was Jesus Christ himself. You heard this and believed this, and you just took me right in. It actually goes further to say Paul was sick when he arrived with them. And they received his message and him so powerfully. They said, you wanted to give all yourselves to help me. He said, you would have torn your eyes out if you could have to help me. That was the transformation that went on in the Galatians' life. And what struck me, I suppose, is they didn't just, you know, Paul came into town, they believed in idols, and he spoke about Jesus. They didn't just go, well, that sounds quite nice, Paul. Yes, I believe in this Jesus guy. He seems like a better alternative to this piece of wood that I've been worshiping. than this piece of gold that I've been worshiping. They were totally taken by this message of life, and they were transformed. They helped him, they healed him, they, they, they took care of him. So, like we've seen, there was transformation in this area. But when we get to chapter 4, we realize that something happened. Something shifted in the time from when Paul was with them until he, he wrote this letter. And I think this is so important because this something is, is something that is so common to you or me. Because the further we get from the ex- receiving of the new message of Jesus and his death and life and resurrection, the power and the forgiveness, and the experience maybe of that in the Holy Spirit... The further we get from that, we so easily forget. We forget the truth of it. We forget the hope of it. We forget the peace of it. We forget the forgiveness of it. We forget the reality of the power and presence of God. And it's so easy to have known that one day and then eventually over time slip back into that 
stuff that was the temptation that was it's so good in the moment that just really scratches that itch in the moment or that makes you feel better because then you feel like you deserve to be there because I've done this or I've been this or I've, I went to that day or I it's so easy to slip back into those things and Paul speaks to the Galatians in this letter however much time this is after he is with them and he says this and I'm just going to read two verses Galatians chapter 4 8 and 9 says this. Formerly Galatians, and it's going to come up here. When you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature were not gods. The gold, the silver, the wood little thing, and all the stuff you did, you were slaves to that. He said, but now that you know God, or rather are known by God, that's something we're going to get back to in a second, How is it that you're turning back to those weak and miserable forces? What does he say to them? It's a lie. Jesus is better. Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? You that stupid stuff? It's a lie. Dot, dot, dot. Fill in the blank. We all have it. Jesus is better. But the interesting thing here is that Paul is actually not talking to them about their idol worshiping. He's not talking about the whatever debauchery and morality that went on with their former way of idol worshiping. Paul's actually talking to them. He talks about don't turn back to those weak and miserable forces. But he's actually, we know from the whole book of Galatians, talking to them about this newfound piousness. That if you only do this or you only do that, if you get circumcised, all these great things, then you will be a Christian. Then you'll be a real Christian. He's talking to them about these things that make them feel like they belong. And he's basically saying to them that see that stuff, this stuff you're now, you think you're good living, you think you're a good Christian, that is as useless and as destructive as the stuff you used to be involved in. It's no different. Thinking you can earn it or just going whatever way you want are equally destructive, are equally useless. And he's so, he's so strong about this. In verse 12, he says, I plead with you, brothers and sisters. In verse 20, he says, I'm perplexed by you. And he starts the whole letter by saying, I'm astonished by you. And he's basically saying, if you think that you can be accepted by God by doing these things, if you think that you're more of a Christian or you're right of a Christian or you're positioning yourself above those lower Christians by doing this, that, or the other thing, you are just as lost and you are just as useless. It is either Jesus or it is nothing. But as I read through this, there's these two extremes and I wonder which side are you or I more likely to be? drifting into and it's it's probably different for each of us one you do out of temptation to scratch a real itch because you're tired because you're bored because you're you just have a need and it fixes it in the moment name it in your head and the other you do out of guilt or out of shame or out of pride because you want to belong and you want to feel like you belong. 
But for whatever it is, I think the message that you and I need to hear this morning is, it is a lie. Jesus is better. He's not even just better. <laughs> He's everything. He is all. But it goes on beyond that, and there's something so powerful, and I'm going to dip into something Allie talked about last week, because there's this line in Galatians chapter 4, 9 that I think just twists it all on its head and is so powerful for us as well. It says, but now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it in that that you are turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Ali brought up the story last week, and I said to him afterwards, I heard it just online, so powerful, the story of the prodigal son. And we all know, well, we know this story, but I think if we can really get this story, the idea of slipping back into our, our, our weak and miserable forces will, should and will seem ridiculous, but we need to be reminded of again and again and again. The story of the prodigal son, we know the story. There's these two sons, and we always focus on the one son. The one son basically says to the father, Father, I know you're not dead yet, but I know you got a lot of money as well, so I wish you were dead, but you're not, so I want your money. Will you give it to me? And the father goes, sure. We don't really, that's not really, it's, it's that quick. And the father doesn't explain why, but does give the son all his inheritance. And the son takes the inheritance and immediately leaves. And we know he goes to the city, he lives a big life, a good life, parties, whatever, but really quickly falls, really quickly uh, is broken, really quickly loses everything, really quickly ends up feeding pigs to stay alive. But we also know how the story ends. The son in his total misery and this is huge, ends up going back to the father, expecting to beg his father, grovel, crawl, beg his father's forgiveness, not to be a son again, just to be one of his lowest slaves in his house. But as the son walks toward him and doesn't, hasn't even got near the farm yet, the father sees him at a distance and the father is hiking up his tunic and running to him and grabbing him and hugging him as if his son is this returning hero. He's picking him up. He's about to throw the party. The son is lost and is found. He was dead and now he was alive. And yet the son wasn't a returning hero. The son was an arrogant disrespectful, immoral, self-obsessed rebel. And his father knew exactly that. His father had taken the total brunt of that. His father knew him. And that's what Paul tells us in this passage. So much more important than the fact that you know God or you know something about God is that you are, I am, known by God. And that's cool because God knows every beautiful and creative and gifted thing about you. He made you. But he also knows that horrific, shameful, utterly embarrassing thing about you that you don't even want to think about, let alone have your best friend or your partner or let alone God think about. And those thousands of things. 
God knows you. He knows you. He knows you. And yet Jesus still paints this amazing picture that when you recognize you (laughs) and recognize how far you are from him, and and when you turn to him, before you even have a chance to, to run to him, before you even have a chance to grovel to him, the father's running to you and he's picking you up and you start it, Father, I'm so sorry, but you can't because his arms are on that part of you and he's hugging you and he's putting a cloak on your back and he's putting a ring of sonship or fathership on your finger and he's shouting, you're still trying to talk, but he's shouting to get the fatted calf to be celebrated for the party. You're this returning hero even though you know you are not and it's not it's despite of all those things that just happened and it's not because of anything great you're about to do but i'm circumcised or i pray twice a day or i have all these good things but not the journey it's all because of the full and complete and powerful life and death and resurrection of Jesus. And that's the powers that the love of God doesn't even allow you to creep and crawl and beg up to him like you should, like I should. The love of God through Jesus' death is complete and whole and powerful. And from the moment you turn from me to recognize him and the amazing reality of Jesus before you even have a chance. I know we do this thing, the sinner's prayer, which is powerful because it articulates what we believe. But before you even have a chance to get a few of those words out, because you've already recognized him, he's running, he's grabbing, he's covering, he's cleansing, he's purifying, he's making you righteous. And everything else is a lie. Every other way is a lie because Jesus is better. And I love that my friend had the the guts and the honesty to stick that on his mirror so that everyone who came into his flat could see it. And I'm going to get Jillian to come on up because we're going to worship now. But I... The book of Galatians goes over this message in different ways over and over again, and that's so important. It's so important to remember that we have a gracious and a wise God that knows that we are fickle and stupid and hard-headed and that we need to be reminded of this message again and again and again. So Jillian and Jillian are going to lead us in some worship. And I pray, God, so much more than any articular or non-articulate words that I have offered. As we take space to look to you and worship you, God, I pray that you remind us of your reality, of your truth.